Oh, hey, I got to get my, uh, my pallet over here. I'll bring it over and tell you why in just a moment. But, uh, but first, I do want to tell you, Kiritiri is a, a, a country, a city in Africa, in Kenya. But I visited Uganda at the age of 20, and God grabbed me when I went to Uganda. Like I said, Africa is a place I care about. And I, I thought I was going to Uganda to offer help. And they called me a Mzungu, actually, because I was with eight white people. Uh, I am not white. <laughs> But there's no derogatory term for brown people over there, I guess. So, Mzungu is not derogatory, but it's just kind of, they lump you in. They're the Mzungu. So, but uh, but yeah, God did grab my heart, and so I just trust that some seed is planted um, as you hear that announcement that might lead you to, to partner on the other side of the globe uh, in Kiritiri. So, really excited. Hey, uh, this is a, a half a pallet because uh, it's going to... It's going to be our stretcher today, and uh, it's not a stretcher that any paramedic would trust, I guarantee you, because <laughs> there's a lot of falling possibilities with this, but, uh, but this represents something. It represents illness, right? It represents something that keeps a person down for whatever reason, uh, and it, it is that for an individual today that we're going to look at in the, in the scriptures. We've been on this journey through the Gospel of Luke, which is a story of Jesus' life. It's written by a doctor. And so there happen to be more stories about healing in the book of Luke than any other story. And so this story is about a mat. Uh, and as I looked this story up in just different translations of the Bible, one translation said it was a pallet, which makes more sense. It's not a yoga mat. It's not flexible. It has to hold a person. And so it's rigid and heavy. Uh, and it's essentially a stretcher. Now, uh, on December 8th, 2019, uh, I felt like God was inviting me to invite people in this room to be healed of something. Some of that was physical infirmities. Some of it was emotional infirmities. You may have been here. You may not have been here. But it was a, it was a really beautiful day. I got a really special sticky note in my box, mailbox here at the church later that week. And it said, five people joined AA on December 8th, on 2019. Yeah, for sure. Five people sat where you sat and decided that this thing, this dependency on alcohol, this struggle with this chemical was crushing them and they, they got help. Five people's trajectories were set in a certain way and in this moment shifted. Five lineages, generations changed because of a decision here. In the story we come to today, there's a, there's a man with something keeping him on the mat. And my hope today is that we would all find ourselves on the mat. Some of us, worry is an all-consuming thing, and it keeps us on the mat. This worry about good things, family or job or responsibilities, they're good things, but this worry kind of like a, a snake begins to choke you and you can't sleep, or worry is maybe the thing keeping you on the mat. It could be work. Like you give 40, 50, 60 hours to this employer, and you come home zapped. You don't have any energy left to give 
to actually the most important things. Some of us swing the other way with work, and it's not just the employer taxing us, but we like to be at work because it means we don't have to be at home, which is like confronting a a brutal fact. But here's just a, a few questions that can point out workaholism. Is your work your mat? Or do you feel compelled to work because of internal pressures? Do you have persistent thoughts about work when not working? Are you working beyond what is reasonably expected of your job despite the potential for negative consequences? Like, we all have a mat. Some of us, it's the despair that comes from the grade that we got last week because this is a crucial class to our major and not passing this class means another semester or two. Some of us high school students with this A-push thing coming up, and we gotta, we got to pass this class because we know money's tight for the college thing that's coming down the road. For some of us, the mat is not none of those things, but the mat is the bottle. The mat is an addiction that you're struggling with. It could be that app, that website that feeds you porn like a monster. Could be that whiskey in the cabinet that you've just noticed as you look back, you're seven for seven in days that you drank. I don't know what it is. The mat represents something for all of us. And I want to level the playing field today and say that we all have something keeping us down. And if you don't, your neighbor does. And today is a story about neighbors. Uh, It's about a crazy neighbor. (laughs) See, Jesus, in his early movements through the book of Luke, he's going from town to town spreading good news. And word is getting around that Jesus is going to be at this town tomorrow and people would race ahead of Jesus. It's like a parade that they're trying to beat the Jesus parade to the spot so they can be there when he's there because they know if they bring their friends who are sick and need healing, if they can bring their friends to Jesus, they'll be well. And so these guys, they well-intentioned, four friends, and their buddy who happens to be a paralytic is confined to the mat. And they, they know the spot, and so they load the car and get the cooler ready, and the drinks are in, but somebody forgot the bag of ice. And so now they got to go to QT to load up the cooler with ice so that they can enjoy the tailgate, because this is going to be a waiting deal when they get to the house where Jesus is, and, and they're late. So like you and I, functionally, they're just, they're running late. And they get to the house, and they have their buddy, and there's four friends around <laughs> carrying the mat, and they carry him to the door. And he He's unaware, like he's got no idea that there is actually a crowd forming outside the house. But he catches wind that this is, this may not be his day. He's laying there and he hears the exchange. He hears his friends begging the people outside the door to let him in. But then he hears the responses, man, my, my daughter's sick too, I'm sorry. You can't, you can't get into the house. And so they, they give up. Right. We came all this way. 
until my favorite character in perhaps the whole Bible, who remains nameless. He's your crazy friend, like Loco in the Cabeza. Like, he's certifiably like, he's the one who walked by and saw the crazy wedding party and went home and changed into really nice clothes and said, let's crash the wedding party. And you're like, no! And then you find yourself at the wedding party with your friend. He's the friend who bought the ab roller, (laughs) you know? And it's like, this is going to work. He's the friend who... He just has the idea that you think is ridiculous, but somehow he's persuasive enough, and you just kind of, you find yourself doing the thing, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and he says, bring him and follow me. Now, what you need to know about uh, first century Israeli-Palestinian homes was they were about the size of half of this stage, one big room, thatch and mud ceilings, uh, layers of caked, dried tiles of mud and thatch laid upon kind of wooden cross beams and just kind of placed on the house. Now, there's stairs up to the house because their roofs were functional. They dried figs. They stored stuff up there. Like, it was the roof that they used. But these guys begin to now carry their paralyzed friend at a 45-degree angle up a stairway with no railing because OSHA don't exist (laughs) or whatever. And so they're going up and this guy is just like, no, 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 this is a dumb idea, guys. Because he's like, he's the one who this is about, but he also has zero say, right? Because he gets carried where he gets carried. He's felt this his whole life. The man pitied because he can't move. People moving by this man who can't move. He feels all that. But now he's going up the stairs. This is, they just look at him and say, this is happening. He said this was a good, this is happening. And so you have this sense that, okay, they get up there. And I think they raid a supply closet and find some, some rope because they didn't bring that and they find a spade here and they bring that up and they're on the roof now and inside the house you start to hear like what is happening and you sense that the homeowning couple, the husband and wife look at each other like you did not order the roof repairs on Jesus day (laughs) with that look that only a husband and wife can give one another, you did not and they, no, you did not, you know, return volley of, no, I didn't. And it goes away. It goes away until there's this, this like, scratching sound. And, and clearly something is happening. People inside are kind of like, they're here to hear Jesus. There's like religious elite. There's sick people. There's, this room is packed. Sardines in a can with people. And all of a sudden they just hear something happening. Jesus, I think, is just there in the middle of the room, by the way. And the, the guys have scoped it out. They have Jesus' 20. They know that he's like dead center. And they have done the calculations and divided by two and figured out exactly where to, to dig and drop is the technical maneuver. It sounded really bad when I said it. It's like my dog digs and drops. But so they, they have this figured out. It's like they're going to do this. It's ha- This is happening. 
You just got to sit there. You can't do it. Just watch. This is happening. And now there is more sound. And the fingernails are like filled with dirt. And the, the one spade is just trying to get as much out from this. And they get a tile and they're just like pulling. It's just not giving because it's layers and layers. And so this is, this is the moment. This is the moment of pure Will Ferrell comedic gold in the Bible. Because... Crazy dude. It has to be him. It has to be crazy dude. He gets his fingers and he can sense he's about to break through. And he, and all people see on the inside of the house is a hand. (laughs) There's this moment of like, oh. And the hand rips out a layer of mud and thatch. And now you see another hand and it's just ripping. And they're furious digging because they, Jesus could leave. Like if they don't do this now, Their window of time is shrinking. And this is the moment where the crazy friend looks down and says, Hey, guys! It's just my favorite moment in the Bible. And I think Jesus, like, looks at him and says, Yeah, it's you're going to have a problem. (laughs) And he looks at the homeowning couple and just says, I'm sorry. This is what happens when I go places. By the way, like uh, our Luke class kicks off Tuesday, and like I'm a storyteller, I dig this, but like you can do this. <laughs> it's just jumping into the stories and be, and really telling the story with people. So this happens because I tell it to my five year old, you know, and that's kind of the sermon prep. So you you can talk through a story and just imagine. That's all you have to do. So come to the Luke class on Tuesday because you're just gonna get this times much much more. Now, uh, we all have mats. We've named that. You're hopefully kind of thinking about what keeps you on the mat. Uh, But I just wonder if you've sensed that God wants to do something. Because these friends have sensed that Jesus is up to healing. And if they can get their buddy to Jesus, then they are partnering with God's activity in the world. They're foolish, yeah. But isn't that the name of this faith endeavor? Like, hey, let's risk something to see what it gives us. And they do. They risk reputation. And there's no home insurance. So these guys are in a different boat. They probably owe somebody some money after this is over. What happens next is, uh, is the slow... Slow lowering, because the hole has gotten big enough now, and people realize this shadow is now covering the hole, and there is a slow lowering of the mat, and all the paralyzed dude can do is just say, peace out. (laughs) And he slowly, I trust, lands on the floor in exact precision in front of Jesus. He sees Jesus, and then he doesn't see Jesus because Jesus actually looks up, and the scriptures say that when Jesus saw the faith of his four friends, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus, I didn't come for that. (laughs) See the mat? 
and the friends. Yeah, that's a very nice person thing to say, but, uh, but yeah, he does need to walk, Jesus. And in the room, these religious elites start to get really wrapped around the axle because what Jesus has said is something that you're not allowed to say. Forgiving someone's sins is the position of God. And so they begin to say, he can't forgive sins. This guy's an idiot. He cannot forgive sins. Only God can do that. Jesus reads their mail and says to them, why do you question? What's easier to say to this man? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? I don't know if Jesus has read your mail recently and kind of asked you a question like that, but what, is, what happens next is phenomenal and mind-numbing and incredible because what theologian Daryl Bach says is this, is uh, logic tells us that it is easier to say one's sins are forgiven since that cannot be seen. But in fact, that is more difficult since one must have the authority to do that thing. So the question Jesus asks them is really poignant, right? What's easier? And then Jesus decides to do the harder thing so that he can prove that he's already done the hardest thing. You can play with the superlatives. I don't care how you slice it. Jesus cares about this person's spiritual, emotional being, and he just says, okay. And here's what Luke chapter 5 says. We'll move to the text here. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. It'd be really nice to live without the mat, wouldn't it? For each of us, for you, the college student, for you, the parent, single parent, for you, the taxed employee with no resources to do a job this big. Like, it'd be nice to live without the feeling like you're held down on the mat. Well, I'm wondering today if, if that worry has become all-consuming for someone in here. I'm wondering today if that, that work has become like exhausting or that home crisis at home that you're avoiding is just in meltdown mode. I'm wondering if the despair is turned to darkness. I'm wondering if for you that thing that you use to meet a need is is out of control and you're struggling with a chemical or pornography or something that has its just web wrapped around you. Now, here's, here's the really beautiful part. You're here. Somebody's brought you here. Some experience of life has brought you here, and you find yourself in a room, a big room, and Jesus is here in this room. He knows exactly what your mat is. He knows what your many mats are. And he says to you what he says to the paralytic. I want to give you a, 
a couple questions to think about. And these are questions you may want to write down. You may want to just take a picture. But these are questions that will help you consider what your mat is and what, how you can partner with God. Because the four friends simply did that. They just said, Jesus is here. If we can partner to get our friend here, whatever it costs, that's how we join God's movement. So here's, here's the questions. There's three and then another three. And I'm going to give you just a few seconds after I read the first three to, to think about what, what is it for you? Where, God, are you moving now is the headline of these questions. And the first question is this. Is there a problem or habit you want me to give up? Second one is this. Is there a friend you want to reach through me? Is there somebody whose mat I'm supposed to pick up and carry to you? Through prayer, through selfless acts, through a text, through a phone call, I called, we have four or five of you that are struggling with deep cancer diagnoses right now. It's painful. I called one of you this week and you said to me, that's a really hard phone call to make. I was stunned because I was like, no, the phone call is not hard to make. What you're going through is the hard. So who do you need to like put on the mat and carry to Jesus? Because the pain is everywhere in our world and we can do something about it. So those are the first three questions. How, God, where are you moving now? The next three are how can I join you? God, how can I join what you're doing? And the first one here is, are you asking me to surrender something? Are you asking me to give something up? Second is, are you nudging me to help that person with my resources? Are you nudging me to take 50 bones and make something happen on the other side of the world? Last question is this. Can you put the last question up there, please? Is there someone you want me to dig through the roof for? We've, we've discussed it's foolish. It's reckless. But that's the kind of foolish, reckless love that our world needs, that your neighbor needs. And so... What is it? These, these questions aren't like answer now. You could have a, a sense now, but I would encourage you to, to like set aside 30 minutes and reflect on these questions this week. What, where do you sense God moving your life and what does he want to do? How does he, how does he want to invite you to join him? We want to help. So if this has alerted you to something on your dashboard, you're like, that's a problem. I need help with that. We want to offer our care line. It's not just a phone number. What it does is unlock a resource cupboard for you to find help for the thing that you need help with, whether that is struggling with something that's addictive or whether that is a sense of like, I need wisdom about, I need to get some counseling. So this number is on the screen. I, I would love to invite you to write this number down because if you don't need it now, you're going to run into somebody who needs it now some point soon. And I want us to be a people who can offer this resource. Our care team just can't wait to jump in it and be in it with anyone who calls this number. You can leave a confidential voicemail and they'll reply to you within 24 hours of how you can help. they can help you take a next step. 
I got a, an email on June 4th, 2018. And it was from a friend I'd had for 10 years. I still have. And he uh, said to me in his email, he said, on Monday, May 28th, I began a life of sobriety. I had no idea. I'd hung out with this guy a lot. We'd had a beer together once in a while. I, I didn't think anything of his problem with alcohol. But he began to just let me into that journey. And I started to see that he, he needed help. What I didn't remember is this guy's marriage had just been fissures and cracks. And, and in a moment, I grabbed two buddies. So there were three of us. And we committed to praying for this friend every day for about a month. I put my friend on the mat. I couldn't carry it by myself. So I had to get two others. They picked up the other corner of the mats and we carried our friend to Jesus. His life is forever changed because Jesus gave him a life of sobriety. He would say to you, I asked him, I had coffee with him this week, said, what would you say to someone in the room? He said, I would tell them to get up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to do what I can. I need you to do what you can do. And that was his prayer. We're, I'm pretty confident, we're pretty confident that right now God's Spirit is unlocking something in some of us. And the question is, how will you partner with that? The partnering with that is simply making a phone call. The partnering with that is getting prayer, inviting someone into that journey. 